Welcome to Odd Bits and End Pieces, a podcast about nothing in particular, but focused on fun, music, and current events. And by current events, we mean anything that has ever happened anywhere at any time. Let's meet the Odd Bits and End Pieces players. Riley McNutt, John Paul Gamoki, Lee Johnson, Anita Ruth, Joan Griffith, Sound Engineer Jose Rodriguez, Becca Hart, Molly Sue McDonald, and T. Michael Rambo. Odd Bits and End Pieces would like to thank the City of Bloomington and Leah Hughes for allowing us the use of their facilities. Two bits. Did you know that during the time of the Revolutionary War, officers would soak their brass buttons in jars filled with urine to keep them shiny? Gross. Why? The military has always held great store in tidiness. And pee is tidy? The uniformity of shiny buttons is tidy. And that's how you want to start this? No, no, uh, you're right. (laughs) Can I try again? Okay. Great. Um, did you know that about a quarter of the bones in your body are located in your feet? How big do you think my feet are? Oh, no, 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 no. Like, like in number, not in mass. Still not the best start. Yeah, you're right again. Um, oh, here. Did you know that the longest time between two twins being born is 87 days? Huh. Is this how you start all your dates? Well, I, uh, I don't go on many. No. So I'm not really sure how I should begin. Uh, oh, did you know the Canary Islands is named for dogs, not birds? <laughs> you don't have to keep telling me random facts, although I don't think that last one is true. <laughs> oh, but it is. Canariae Insulae is the Latin name, which means island of dogs. No shit. Okay, well... That's enough weird facts for now. What do you do for a living? Oh, I uh, provide odds and factual information for non-standard betting scenarios. So like... Like how many people could fit into the city limits of Los Angeles shoulder to shoulder? (laughs) Of course, that would be a problematic bet because the answer is more humans than we have on the planet, more than seven and a half billion. Well, I don't get how that's a bet. Oh, well, bored wealthy people like to bet on lots of things, including obscure statistics. You know, some people like to bet on the equivalent of how many jelly beans are in a jar, and some like to bet that they are right about some little-known fact. And you, what, Google the answer for them? (laughs) Kinda. What about Alexa? I am a status symbol for my employers. They can afford to employ a person in a role that most people don't even know exists. <laughs> Did you know that jelly beans are so shiny because they're coated with shellac, which is made from insect poop? Well, now I'm ready to order my meal. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I should stop doing that. <laughs> what do you do? I'm a teacher. I teach sixth grade Spanish. Did you know that you are one of the, among the lowest paid teachers in the country? What? Here in South Dakota, teachers are, on average, the lowest earners in the country. New York has the highest average. So? <sighs> so dinner's on me. Was that a power play? Oh, oh, not at all. I figured I would get it out of the way early on so that there would be no question uh, at the end of our meal. Awesome. 
You know what the odds are of me sticking around for this whole meal tonight? Well, I can try. Zero. Well, technically, zero is not odds. It's an absence of... Bye. Yeah, I wouldn't have bet on this one either. Four bits. The musical selection for this episode of Odd Bits and End Pieces is Gaucho o Quarter Jacka, composed by Chiquina Gonzaga. Miss Gonzaga lived in Rio de Janeiro from 1847 to 1935. In addition to being a composer and a pianist, she was the first woman to conduct an orchestra in Brazil. The title Gaucho o Corta Jaca can loosely be translated as the cowboy who cuts the jackfruit. The performers on this recording are Joan Griffith, mandolin and guitar, and Anita Ruth on accordion. Six bits. Game show. Welcome to the Odd Bits and End Pieces quiz game, the game where I give the points to anyone at any time for any reason, because I can. Today's contestants are Molly Sue McDonald, Anita Ruth, and T. Michael Rambo. How's everybody today? 
Eager. Eager. All right, this is a tough game. Everybody's got their buzzers. Okay, here's our first question. What is the highest hand you can have in a poker game? Yes, D. Michael. Um, a, a great flush. I mean, a royal flush. A royal flush is correct. One point for T. Michael. Mr. Yes. Mr. Now, he, he 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 pushes his buzzer be- with before he even knows the answer to the question. Well, actually, well, he pushed it. it perfectly well because I finished the answer when I saw the light. So that is but, going to. But correct. then he didn't say anything. Uh, he did after I asked him his name, Anita. Oh. Now really? we're gonna. Are, are we gonna do that? Okay. <laughs> You're the one that started it. Okay, fine. Anita, please. Okay, second question. <laughs> what is the only good thing to come out of Iowa? Yes, Molly. Me. Uh, close answer, Anita. Molly Sue McDonald. No, she's already said that. T. T- Michael. Music Man. No. The answer to what is the only good thing to come out of Iowa is Highway 35. Oh, Oh. that's cruel. Thank you. Did you put that in there on purpose? I totally wrote that for you. That is cruel. (laughs) We ought ought to all get a point for that. I resent that, John Gamoki. And it resembles... Mr. Wisconsin. (laughs) That's right, on Wisconsin. (laughs) Our third question. Who was the star in the Broadway musical Good Time Charlie? Who was the star in the Broadway musical Good Time Charlie? T. Michael Rambo. Charlie. No. Molly or Anita? I'm Three. sorry. Hint. Uh, he uh, had starred in a lot of other Broadway musicals, and he's a short singer-dancer. Good time, Charlie. Topol. No. <laughs> he's hardly <laughs> short. Mickey Rooney. No, it was Joel Gray was the correct oh. answer. Oh, wow. Okay. That's a hard one. Our uh, Bad. fourth question. What tempo is a waltz usually in? Yes, Molly. Three, four times. Yes, it that is. That isn't good. what tempo means. Well, it's not maybe what tempo it means. means slow or a little faster. But you know what, a, Anita? It Molly doesn't mean that. And she's right on the money. Don't. So Molly has a point. T. Michael has a point. And I'm trying to think who doesn't have. Oh, it's Anita. Well, it's because you're not playing fair. <laughs> well, we're trying our best, aren't we? Okay. Uh, wah is a tomato. And be careful here. Is a tomato a vegetable, a fruit, or a cockerin? It's a fruit. It's a fruit is correct, T. Michael. A tomato is a fruit. He wasn't done with the question, Michael. Yeah. But I knew the answer. I yeah. know. This you time. Know right Wait away. the question is done. T. Michael has two points. These haters. Molly has one. Haters. Anita has none. Haters. Okay. <laughs> Haters. Our last question. It's a little friction today. What year did the Twins last win a World Series? Yes, Anita. 1991. 1991 is correct. So, after our game, we have Molly Sue with one, Anita with one, and our winner is T. Michael Rambo. He cheated. Cheating, cheating. Rambo, Rambo. Congratulations, that's our quiz game. Eight bits. What can I get you? Something with an umbrella. I can put an umbrella in anything. Got anything specific in mind? I want a memory from the last time I was on this beach. But you're on the beach now at a tiki bar. The last time I was on this beach, I met a man and we fell in love at this very tiki bar. When was this? Last night. 
Are you meeting him again tonight? No. I'm not into lengthy relationships. I'm kind of a kiss-and-run girl. I'm sure there are a lot of guys at this bar right now that would appreciate a woman like you. I'm not into those types of men. What type of man are you looking for, then? I like clowns. Clowns? Clowns. You know, lots of makeup, big shoes, squirting flowers. Any reason why? They're mysterious. Smiles painted on the outside and usually a broken heart hidden on the inside. A joy buzzer in a handshake for a laugh and an endless string of colored hankies to wipe away the tears that clowns hold inside. When a clown shoots you in the face from a flower in his lapel, it's not seltzer water that hits you. It's the reservoir of tears he carries inside his broken heart. I thought it was from his pants. His pants? Yeah, you know. A little song, a little dance, a little seltzer in your pants. That's disgusting. No, it isn't. It's funny. You have a mean sense of humor. Like a clown? (laughs) That's funny. In my line of work, it's good to have any sense of humor. Is bartending that hard? Bartending? No, this is just a part-time gig. I'm an actor. I do TV commercials. An actor with another job to pay the bills. How unusual and uninteresting. Have I seen you in any commercials recently? I'm sure you have. But you wouldn't know it's me. I don't get it. What have I seen you in? I'm the king. In the Burger King commercials. The king? Yeah, you know, with the big plastic head and the same look painted on my face. Oh, you just made my heart skip a beat. Excuse me? You're basically the most watched mime on TV. The most famous mime in the world. Yeah, I guess I am. Mimes were the first clowns. Oh, my God. You are the king. I'm ready for my drink now. What will you have? Sex on the beach with the king. I'm on a break in ten minutes. Let's meet under the pier. Yes, yes, yes. Brace yourself. We'll have to walk against the wind. Yes. We'll go as soon as I get out of this box. Look, a window. Well, hello, everyone. I'm Joan Griffith. I'm your Odd Bits and End Pieces interviewer for today. And our guest is singer and vocalist Molly Sue McDonald. Uh, welcome, Molly. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we'll talk more about this later, but what are you going to sing for us today? I'm going to sing a little song called The Tale of the Oyster. It's a little novelty song by Cole Porter. All right. Down by the sea lived a lonesome oyster Every day getting sadder and moister He found his home life awfully wet And longed to travel with the upper set Poor little oyster Fate was kind to that oyster we know 
When one day the chef from the park casino saw that oyster lying there and said, I'll put you on my bill of fare. Lucky little oyster. Watching the queens of fashion chatter, hearing the wives of millionaires discuss their marriages and their love affairs. Thrilled a little oyster. of her gilded insides proud little oyster after lunch mrs h complains she says to her hostess i've got such pains i came to town on my yacht today but i think i better hurry back to oyster bay scared little oyster off they go through the troubled tide the yacht rolling madly from side to side they've tossed about till that poor young oyster finds that it's time he should quit his cloister Comes the oyster Back once more where he started from He murmured, I haven't a single qualm For I've had a taste of society And society has had a taste of me Wise little oyster. Molly, that was fantastic. Oh, thank you. (laughs) The little oyster. I know. And why did you choose that song? You know, I love it because it just tells a little story. And you can do a little acting with your voice within the song. And it's just kind of this little complete, lovely little package about a lovely little creature. Well, it is. And and have you sung that song in a show? Where did you find it? I have not sung it in a show. Um, I just usually sing it. Well, I have sung it in a show. I used to do a show called Sopranorama oh, yeah. with two other sopranos, and I've sung it in that show. And I've sung it at um, just kind of special occasions when they need kind of a a fun song or a, a cute song or a different song. And um, I think it kind of fills that bill. Oh, it's a great song. (laughs) (laughs) Now, you and I have been in some productions together, and the thing I'm thinking about right now is is Jacques Brel. is alive and living. One of my favorites, Um, yes. um, What do you recall about that show, would you think? Well, I love the music of Jacques Brel, and nobody really ever 
knows anything about it because nobody ever does that show. So it was really wonderful to do that over at Park Square. And his songs also tell amazing stories. And just musically, they're so interesting. And uh, another thing I remember, it's the show that got me playing my violin again. Well, fantastic. So that, it's a special, holds a special place in my heart. Oh, absolutely. Now, uh, are you a Minnesota gal or do you transplant? I'm not. I am a transplant. I was born and raised in Iowa and went to the University of Iowa and came up here right after school. I was actually teaching school. And I had a, an audition up here at the Chanhassen Dinner Theaters, and I got the job, and I moved up here. Oh, my gosh. So yeah. did you do theater in Iowa? I did not. I mean, I did at the university. That's the first time I really ever did a show Wow, was yeah. when I got to college. So you didn't so, grow up, like, doing Annie when you were eight No, there wasn't any of that going. <laughs> my high school never had a musical. Wow. I don't know why that is, but they never did a big musical. So I missed out on all that. And so when you, what was your first musical then when you went to college? My first musical was West Side Story, which was a very lucky thing to be able to be involved in that show. Oh, yeah. And then the next, that was when I was a junior. And then the next year they did Peter Pan. All right. And I was Wendy (laughs) and Peter Pan's understudy. But I got to fly with Peter Foy, the man who invented the flying for Mary Martin Wow. So very crabby individual, but <laughs> I probably shouldn't say that. But but it was a it was really cool to be up in the air and see what that was all about. Well, I loved it. Pretty fantastic. Yeah. And so when you came to Chan, uh, mm-hmm. what was the show you auditioned My for? first show there was The Robber Bridegroom, mm-hmm. another wonderful show. Bluegrass musical and uh, just kind of helped me. Meet a lot of wonderful people who are still my friends today, and just a crazy, zany, wonderful little show. Hmm. Yeah, well, I think the theater community is famous for making yeah. lifelong <laughs> friends in about 20 exactly. minutes. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And do you have a favorite show that oh, you've been in? Oh, boy, I knew you were going to ask me that question. I have so many favorite shows. I mean, almost every show is my favorite show when I'm doing it. Yeah. I loved doing Into the Woods. I loved that role. Yeah. And I loved doing tin types. Mm-hmm. I love ensemble shows. You know, I I love singing with people. I love singing harmony with people. And tin types is way up there on my list, too. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And the shows you're listed are not necessarily ones would people would know right off the bat. So. No, no. Another one is The Cradle Will Rock, oh, which yeah. is kind of an edgy show I've had the pleasure of being able to do twice, but another one nobody's ever heard of. <laughs> <laughs> well, it doesn't matter. We love it. So, so Molly, I know that, that you, you know, you were a singer and an actor and you do commercials mm-hmm. and all, all kinds of other things, but you also um, are a recording artist. And do you have any projects that you'd like to well, talk about? Well, my big COVID project was actually re-releasing my lullaby recording, which I made back in 1990. Three, I believe, out at Paisley Park. Oh, yeah. And I re-released it. I'd never switched it over to a digital format. So I went through that process and re-released it. And it's actually up for a couple more awards. It won the Library Association's Notable Award when I released it. And it's up for a Parents' Choice Award. 
and it's also been submitted for a Grammy Award. Well, that's which fantastic. Is, yeah, I mean, it'll never win, of course, but <laughs> but it's just kind of fun. Energy. It's kind of fun. It's a lovely recording of 17 kind of different and unusual lullabies. Oh, beautiful. Well, maybe yeah. we'll come back and, and have you sing one of those. That would be really fun. I would love fun. to. Well, thanks, Maul, for coming in. Thank you for having me, and Joan. thanks for that fantastic song. You're welcome. My pleasure. These are men with science on the brain Facts on things like how to make it rain Everyone loves to learn with glee He's constantly, Lee. fastidiously, Lee. authentically, Lee. enormously, Lee. helpfully, Lee. soulfully Lee. He's our man of fact, scientifically Welcome back to another volume of Scientifically Speaking, where we do quick little dives into a variety of topics surrounding nature, space, and science. You won't find too many jokes here, as the following humor is derived from just how fun time and space around us can be. This week, we're venturing out many billions of kilometers from home base here on Earth to visit a small ball of rock and ice affectionately known as Pluto. Discovered on February 18, 1930, this celestial body was named Pluto at the suggestion of 11-year-old Venetia Burney. Named for the Roman god of the underworld who famously kept little company and had a frigid demeanor, Pluto is a fitting title for such a cold and remote planet. And since its discovery, Pluto has yet to make one full orbit around the sun, with a Plutonian year taking nearly 248 Earth years. Now, Pluto was famously demoted from planethood in August of 2006 by the International Astronomical Union. After much debate and several draft proposals, the IAU outlined that a planet must meet three criteria, which I will paraphrase now. One, the object must be in orbit around the sun. Two, the object must be massive enough for its own gravity to pull it into a nearly round shape. And three, the object must have cleared its neighborhood around its orbit. Pluto absolutely crushes the first two criteria. It orbits the sun and is, in fact, round. But Pluto fails criterion number three in that it hasn't cleared its neighborhood. Pluto is a trans-Neptunian object in the Kuiper Belt. Though it is sizable, it is not such a dominant force that it gravitationally affects all the objects nearby. Many rocks, chunks of ice, and other debris in the Kuiper Belt are more immediately affected by Neptune's gravity than Pluto's. There are also several other dwarf planets rummaging around in the Kuiper Belt that are relatively nearby and are of comparable size to Pluto. It's a bustling neighborhood, hence the demotion. And there is no officially defined threshold of when a neighborhood is cleared. It's more of a, oh, uh, you know it when you see it. So for those of you still upset at Pluto's disposition, well, it's time to move on. Pluto seems content, and it's still a part of our solar family, even though it's been relegated to the kids' table. That's all for this week's Scientifically Speaking. If you want to learn more or disagreed with anything posed here, I invite you to look it up. He's our man of fact, scientifically. Thank you for listening to the podcast, Odd Bits and End Pieces. You are my sunshine, my only sunshine. You make me happy. You are my sunshine, my only sunshine.